This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Sunday morning. My God, the papers are full of it today, aren't they? Absolutely full of it. Tour de France. You can't move for the coverage of the Tour de France. You can't move for uh, Wimbledon coverage, and you can't move for, uh, for people going to Syria. Oh, and incidentally, above and beyond all of that, two celebrities have come out this week to say that Rolf Harris assaulted them. One, claiming it was on live television. As she's known as Feisty. I have to ask the question, why in God's name she left it this late? She's never mentioned it up until now. Just think how many other people could have been spared had she come forward and said something happened a long time ago. Kelly Brook takes her clothes off again. I'm sorry it's all based on this. And the Maggle of Sex video girl has been forgiven, apparently, by her Christian parents. They must be absolutely horrified. Absolutely horrible. This is a girl who was on the front pages of the papers, quite clearly identifiable to anybody who obviously knows her, who goes to Magaluf and, in exchange for a prize, and the prize was a holiday, um, she pleasured 24 men, uh, all due for booze. And, unfortunately, holiday was not a holiday, but it was a drink called holiday. So not only made herself out to be the biggest tart under the sun, but I'm afraid brought shame on Magaluf again. Not that you could bring much more shame on Magaluf. The whole place is like that. It is absolutely full of the lowest of the low. And uh, I'm expecting this week for her to be named. I just can't see any reason why she wouldn't be named. It just, uh, and it, you know, the idea that her parents are Christian, I can't, they said she fell off the wagon. Fell off the wagon. Not only fell in the wagon, fell off the wagon, fell straight into the sewer, poor soul. Uh, so Vanessa Feltz on the front pages of two of Richard Desmond's papers this morning. Uh, the Daily Star, Perv Rolf, groped me on live TV. This is years ago, and they expressed the same way. And what I can't understand is, and here's where I can't get my head quite round it, is that she's very outspoken, she's always said everything, she's always come forward, complained about this, that and the other, never mentioned it. Never mentioned it in the past. Then all of a sudden, she's talking about it now. Never mentioned it anywhere, and I can't understand why she's not mentioned it. If she's as feisty as she thinks she is, and if she's as feisty, why did she not come back on the big breakfast, which is where she alleges it took place, and, uh, and say, why did you just do that? And give them a slap around the legs or something. Why not? Why sit there? Because obviously, quite clearly, from that moment on, he just carried on doing it. And, uh, and exactly the same happened to, um, to another girl. And this time, it was Linda Nolan, who's on the front of the mirror this morning. He groped me when I was just 15. Nobody said anything about these things. Are there lots of other celebrities out there who things have happened and nobody said anything? I but, I mean, I'm most surprised by Vanessa Feltz, who claims it happened on the bed... In the Big Brother house. I'm surprised nobody... I hadn't heard any gossip about this. And normally the gossip from the Big Brother house filtered out very, very quickly. I just can't understand why she's not said anything and left it up until the fact that he's been convicted and sent to prison. I don't understand why she's not said anything before. She's, I mean, every time I've seen her, she's been outspoken, up front. She does this, she does that. There's no messing around with her. And yet on this thing, nothing. Stum. Makes you wonder why, doesn't it? Why would you keep something like that quiet? Why would you not tell people? And her boyfriend, the one-hit wonder, has said he's very proud of her. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not kind of sharing the same thing. I'm not sharing the same thoughts. I'm thinking, why didn't you say something before? And now she's urging people to come forward. They have, dear. Twelve of them came forward. And another twelve. You're kind of a bit Yuri Geller, you know, after the stable door is shut. Now you're saying something. It just seems slightly odd. It was the other day, and I felt a bit guilty about thinking the thoughts. I was uh, watching an interview with, with Bob Geldof, talking about Peaches Geldof. 
and, uh, and saying what an awful tragedy is, which absolutely it is. But then he came up with a line, which I didn't quite sit with me. He called her an inspiration to a generation. And I thought, we are talking about the same person, are we? We are talking about Peaches Geldof. She didn't influence anybody at all. She was no inspiration to anybody. Why would you want to be an inspiration to someone? She certainly wasn't. She was no inspiration. But I suppose parents have always got to overhype the kids up to sort of make it feel as though it's a little bit better than it really is, as opposed to sort of losing a child at an early age to heroin. I mean, I've said before... I don't do heroin. I've never done heroin. I don't even know anybody who does heroin. I know people who do drugs, but I always think that's their business. But I think heroin takes it onto a different level. It's the kind of level I don't quite understand. I don't understand the addiction. I don't understand why people go there. And she was trying to apparently make a better life for herself, but she had it in the system. And that wasn't very helpful. But as for influence a gener- influencing a generation, I think not. I think not. Something lighter this morning at the papers, as if there was something lighter. It's also such depressing news, isn't it? And also the other news as well, that we're running on the news about Leon Britton and the fact that he's been quizzed over a historical uh, sexual event from some years ago. And, of course, it's not the first time we've talked about Leon Britton. It's because this week we've had to uh, find out, or we're attempting to find out, or the newspapers are attempting to find out, exactly... Uh, where this information has gone. So the scenario is Geoffrey Dickens, MP, comes along and he gives him a dossier. OK, there is the dossier. And he says to him, that contains the names of paedophiles uh, within Westminster. So he goes, fine. He then apparently gives it to the police. First of all, denying that he'd ever been given it. But he's old. He's, he's liable to forget things. We all forget things. And I think he's as liable as the next person. And so gives it to the police for them to go through. And then it vanishes. 113, 140 pages vanishes. Just disappears into thin air. Nobody has the faintest idea. And nobody mentions it. For years and years and years. And all I kept being reminded of was the fact that when we had Cyril Smith arrested. The police arrested him. Some years ago, word came down from on high. Where the high was, I don't know, and said, release him. Release him now without charge. And so they released Cyril Smith without charge. Now we discover he's a serial paedophile. And they begin to ask questions. If there is a list of people within the Palace of Westminster, are they all alive still? Are some of them still alive? Who are they? Somebody somewhere must have made a copy of this document. It would have been potentially the most explosive document you ever could have had. A paedophile ring operated. We knew there was one in Washington. That was exposed years ago. But I wonder really whether or not a paedophile ring in Westminster warranted somebody even higher up than you can ever imagine going, get rid of it. It could bring down governments. Get rid of it immediately. And so it just gets thrown away. Geoffrey Dickens subsequently dies... His house gets burgled after he hands all this stuff over, according to his son. And so now there is no record. There is nothing. It has been airbrushed off the face of history. There is no knowledge of who the names are on it. You can hazard a guess, can't you? You can guess at some of the names and you could probably guess at some of the other names. But then until we've seen the document, we don't know. We have no idea. And it seems that everybody's going, well, I don't know. Where where did you? I want to know which police department Leon Britton handed it into. Who did he give it to? They need to ask questions. They need to find out. You know, he can't be that forgetful. He must remember certain things. He must remember who he gave it to, which was the person, and why, if this was potentially so explosive, did he not make a copy himself? Irrespective of whether Geoffrey Dickens made a copy, why did Leon Britton and his office not make a copy of it? Even privately, he could have made a copy. We have duplicating machines. They've been around for a long while. It's not difficult 
to actually get them. Why did he not make a copy? Was he not doing his duty? Did he know the people on there? 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I don't know the answers. I don't know the answers. And I, I wish I did, actually. I really, really wish I did. Uh, I love the story of the paper of the old-age pensioner. The old-age pensioner who uh, was refused entry to a pub because he couldn't, pr- couldn't prove he was over 21. He's, uh, he's Ricky Martin. He's 68. Now, with the best will in the world, 68, to me, would look, as, unless he had some ageing disease, would look as if he was perfectly able to actually drink. OK? But anyway, he uh, was with two pals... And they asked him for a valid ID in the pub. I mean, you can only assume the person in there was, was a bit simple. Despite showing his bus pass, the bouncer... Uh-oh. The bouncer wouldn't let him in to the Lord Palmerston in Ricky's hometown of Southsea in Hants. You know what we said before? Further down the country you go, dumber, 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 dumber. Really dumb when you get to Southsea. Really dumb when you get to Southsea. Ricky said, I thought he was taking the mickey. He said it was the law that he had to provide his proof of age. This has got to be the thickest bat. You know, I really want the papers to go down there and find out who was the bouncer who turned away the old-age pensioner. Take a picture of him and stick him up the papers, because he's too thick to even be a bouncer. A spokesman for the... It's a Weatherspoons pub. Said, on Friday and Saturday nights, we ID every person. We don't accept a bus pass as valid ID. Oh, who's that thicko who was working for Weatherspoons? He's an old-age pensioner. He's 68. It's, it's, it's also your anti-ageist. You are rear Weatherspoons, you need a good slap on the back of your legs. Who's the thick person within Weatherspoons who goes, we ID everybody? He's 68. When was I? I've never been ID'd in my life. I had a producer once, dead now through alcohol abuse, but that's another story. And uh, he went out to America, and 21 is the age for drinking in America. And he went into a bar, and he, he looked a bit younger. Provided he had a paper bag over his head and the lights were off. And um, they asked him for ID. He thought it was quite hilarious. He felt quite pleased, the fact that some... He was 52, incidentally. He thought he, it, it was quite clever, the fact that he'd come back. And he said, they actually asked me my age. And I said, I know, I know. I said, how thrilled were you? He said, I was very thrilled. He said, I've never been asked before. <laughs> I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Oh, dear me. Anyway, so uh, 84850, steve at We take all your texts and emails this morning. Cram them all in, as they say. But we only have until 8 o'clock. When along comes uh, the twosome for a Sunday morning. Stig Abel and Kay Burley. Yep, they'll be here. Uh, we arrived home from gorgeous Dorset, says Noreen. How lucky we were with the weather. Yeah, we've been a bit mixed with weather here. Traffic was dire. And, uh, and the pictures of the hanging baskets, gorgeous. Yes, I mean, I never disappoint with my hanging baskets. It has to be said, I'm particularly good at them. And I've got to change... One, two, three, I've got to change four of them. The strawberries have now, I think, reached the end of their existence. So I shall give them to our cleaner, Mr Fazzino, and I shall replace them with two other hanging baskets, in which case, you know, we'll be bringing the walls down. Which is good news, isn't it? I like it. I think just having a splash of colour is always, is always nice. And I don't think it matters, really, you know, whether it's in the middle of winter or it's the middle of summer. But it has been quite hot. Yesterday, it, it tipped it down. It was like a mini, a mini tsunami. I sort of stood at one minute, it was little spots of rain. I was crossing the road. And in front of me, I had the woman with the pram with the two children. And you get, go faster, go faster. And, of course, the kids are dragging. And I couldn't get round them because we've got roadworks. And so they're taking up the whole blooming pavement. She was on my hit list. And, um, and I'm, so, I'm trying to push the kid in front, push the kid in front. Of course, you know what kids are like. If somebody's behind them, they turn around to look at you and then they smile. 
and you go, oh, just walk with your mother faster, please. And then, so little little drop of rain, and then within about a minute and a half, a deluge. <laughs> Down it came, and I got drenched. And I go into a shop, and somebody says to me, is it raining? And I go, not now. It did for a little while. It did rain for a little while. I always love it, though. I mean, I, I don't have any, uh, any sort of problem with, uh, with sort of rain or anything like that. Well, I do, really. I do, really. Quick time check for you. It's uh, quarter past six. Morning, everybody. So here are the uh, the stories that make the papers for today. On the front page of The People this morning, it's the celebs cancer mum losing a battle. I think this might be one of the ones who's on the television at the moment. I could be wrong. I don't know. I haven't read the story properly. So I don't know whether or not it's the same woman who is part of the group of people who are uh, who are dying of cancer. They have terminal cancer. It's a very, it's a very good programme, very, very good programme. And so this woman uh, wants to be buried with her Jimmy Choo stilettos. And, of course, they've got lots of pictures of her with the good and the famous, Michelle Keegan and Peter Andre and people like that. And so they say, Jimmy Choo's on Natalie's coffin. She wants to be glam in heaven. It was interesting, listening to this morning... Uh, Christo talking about... Because he, he doesn't believe in God. I don't think he believes in anything at all. I don't think he's particularly bothered about stuff like that. And uh, so it's always interesting when other people come up and say, oh, I believe in this and I believe in that. And then Christo quite, quite rightly came back and said, but what if it's not true? And the bloke said, well, it is. And Christo said, yeah, but what if it isn't? You know, at the end of... Apparently, at the end of Judgment Day, whenever that's going to be... I hope it's not a Thursday. I don't do Thursdays. And uh, we're all going to be lined up in front of the Almighty. And he said, well, there's going to be a queue a mile long. It's going to be like queuing in Asda, isn't it, for the meat stand or something like that. We're gonna, if we're all waiting, you know, and then somebody's going to decide whether we were right or wrong, I'm going to be sort of there on the Day of Judgment with the Almighty in front of me. And a queue that's going to stretch back for billions of miles. Because it's not just me. Genghis Khan's going to be up on that charge as well. It's ridiculous. But people believe what they want to believe. I don't have any problem. If, if people believe that there is an afterlife, believe in an afterlife. Doesn't make a difference to me. Doesn't make a difference to me. If you want to believe that there's a kindly old white-haired man sitting on a cloud, fair enough. If you want to believe that there are hordes of heavenly angels singing songs and pearly gates, believe in it. I don't care. Doesn't make any difference to me. I like to believe in realistic things. You know, and I've never actually spoken to anybody, either on the phone or on anything else at all, uh, who's ever been to heaven and come back again. I know we've had a few people who've said that they've actually died, but uh, I, I sort of, I don't believe those people. I don't believe the people that say that they're going to, you know, they've been across to the other side. It was all, they had a child in America, didn't they, Till it turned out that we all exposed him because his parents were uh, for preachers and they'd been preaching to him for years and years that there is God and he's in heaven and he, it's like more bright colours and it's like that. And I was thinking, so he now believes it. I think they made a film about him. Andrew says, very interesting conversation with Milton Jones. Great to hear a comedian describing the art rather than just being funny. Yeah, there is an art. Make no mistake about it. There are some people who are funny, naturally funny. They don't need to say anything. They're just funny. My favourite was a guy called Ken Goodwin. I mention him often because he died a while ago and I bump into his widow at the Lady Rattlings every so often. And she says, thank you for mentioning him. And I said, but I, he would stand there and he'd go, I've not been well. And just the way he said it that made you laugh. You couldn't help but laugh at him because he just was one of those people. It's like every time I see Warwick Davis do something, it just makes me laugh because he's got one of those faces. He makes me laugh. But there is an art to it. Ask Dame Edna. Ask Barry Humphreys. He will tell you there is an art to being a comedian. And a lot of the old comedians will tell you, yes, you don't just rattle off a load of jokes or do a scenario. There is an art to doing it. And it's very clever. And those who get it right make a lot of money. Milton Jones, 
makes a lot of money. Michael McIntyre makes a whole lot of money. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. I mean, I, I could never imagine standing up on stage being a comedian. I could stand on stage and hold my own quite easily, as indeed could many people. But you have to make it interesting enough for people to keep listening. Because the moment they, they stop listening is the moment they all wander away. Which is, a, which is a shame, really. Because there's nothing worse if you're a stand-up comedian on stage and people start drifting away. It's like being a DJ and playing the wrong music and all of a sudden people drift away from you. Uh, the good morning viewing figures are, uh, are slumping. I think Wednesday was their lowest ever, their lowest ever figures. And I think they were, went down, according to the papers, to 530,000. When they launched in April, 800,000. Because people were saying, oh, uh, Susanna Reid is the saviour of uh, a breakfast television. Well, she wasn't on the BBC, so I failed to understand why anybody would ever think she... she pardon me, uh, that she would have been like that on ITV. So what they do, they assemble a, a bunch of people on there that you really couldn't give a forex about. You've got some bloke who reads the sport, who they poach from Sky. You've got a girl called Charlotte, who's perfectly OK, but she's an auto-cutie. She sits there and she reads the auto-cue, and, and that's it. And then they bring over for big money... Susanna Reid, and they sit her with Ben Shepherd, who you remember was dropped from breakfast television because of lack of interest and the fact that he's boring. That's the problem. So what they're now saying is that they have to, they have to change the image of the programme. But it's a bit late. And we've said this before, and you've said it too, and you're the, you're the people who seem to feature in the figures, or not, in the case may be. Uh, they, they say, look more sympathetic and engaging during interviews, because she's just playing. The trouble is, because she's BBC... She doesn't have an opinion. 99% of people on the BBC don't have opinions. They just sit there. They're a bit bland. Uh, she's got a nod more. Viewers like nodding. It's called doing the noddies. They go, yeah, mm, try and look as though you're interested. You might not be, but, but try and look as though you're there. In fact, really, you shouldn't be teaching her how to present because she's been doing it since God created heaven and earth. And she still can't get it right. The viewers quite clearly had not taken to her. And it's got nothing to do with being bitchy. Or, or sort of on a downer on a programme, it's got to do with you've got it wrong yet again. Christine Bleakley had nothing in common with the viewers. Adrian Childs, the most boring man ever born. Dull, dull, dullard. And so what they've got now, as opposed to having two dullards on the sofa in the morning, they've only got five of them. Five dull, boring non-entities that you, the public, couldn't care less about. And I should imagine the crew must be thinking, I wonder if we can have a, another revamp. I wonder if we can have another revamp of this programme. And is it going to happen any time soon? And, um, and I, think it, I think it's going to happen again. I think they're going to have another relaunch. Uh, the worried bosses at ITV are trying to think of a way. We did it on Channel 5. They had, a, they had what they call a viewer's panel. Never the best thing, I always think. But they then decide. So they would say, right, here is the programme, Kay Burley, and they would sort of say, which bit do you like? And in our case, they thought the set was too bright. So based on this panel of 20 people, out went the bright sofas, and immediately in comes over the weekend, plain sofas and plain walls, and everything went a bit subdued. OK, that was fine. And then the next thing, the clothes had to change. So all the presenters, from being casual, and there were five of us, uh, went to being smart. So it was suits. And in the, in the end, you think to yourself, why are you asking people what they want to watch on the television? It was the early days of Channel 5, so nobody really cared too much about exactly how the programme was. It was whether or not the presenters engaged with the audience. And there were very strict auditions to find out who engaged. And I remember we had lots of trial sessions up at Teddington where they brought in a student-y type audience, very mixed race audience, very literally across the board, because that was the audience that they were going for. And they brought in lots of presenters and we had to engage 
with the audience and engage with what we were doing, almost like playing games. But then they asked the audience, you know, which presenters did you like? Luckily, they liked me, so I was okay. And that, and that was how it worked. I can remember going up to Teddington thinking, you know, it was, it's like auditioning when you get to a certain age and you think, I don't really audition anymore. I'm not really a very good auditionee. Listening to Christo earlier on and talking to some man about writing a CV. Well, as Kay Burley will probably tell you, she doesn't even probably have a CV anymore. You get to a certain stage in your career and you don't have CVs. I'd, I wouldn't know what to put on a CV. 1979, joined LBC. 2014, still at LBC. You know, and you can put down little bits in between, can't you? You can put down, you know, interviews this, you know, top-rated programme, you know, still youthful, effervescent, you know, that kind of stuff. You can put down it. But as, as, as regard an actual CV... I never thought it was a it was a, a sort of something you needed to be in radio. Chris um, Christo was talking about work experience, and it's amazing how many people, one bloke in particular, who hated the idea of work experience. Whereas throughout LBC's history, we've had work experience people. We've had lots. They come in. They're now on related courses, which means that you know if you're on a media course, then there's a good chance of you coming in, and if they like you. Uh, then there's a chance you could get some work. And the amount of people saying, oh, it's exploitation. Absolutely not. What, what would be better, as Christo said, than actually coming in to do a job, to do something that you really think you want to do? Don't come into it for the money. Please, God, don't come into it for the money. Come into it because, because you quite fancy doing it, and you might find after a couple of years that maybe it doesn't suit you and you feel like doing something different. But you've got to be interested in it. You come in, you do some work experience. If you prove yourself, then there's a chance that they could give you some work which actually pays money. And that, I think, is a brilliant idea. I remember once, like, they, they gave me... I've had lots of work experience people over the years. And they gave me one once, and he came in, and he was there when I arrived in the morning. I arrived in, I think, at 8 o'clock or whatever it was. I was doing a morning programme. And, um, and he sat down, and the, the producer had said to him, right, what you've got to do is you've got to go through all, all the papers, and you've got to cut stories out that you think, think uh, Steve can get something out of. Two minutes, he cut the papers, and then he sat back. And he didn't say... Uh, have you got something else for me to do? He just sat there, staring into the distance. So I said, I said, oh, have you finished? He said, yeah, and he cut four stories out of the papers. Well, I can find in this morning's papers, just on a cursory glance, glance of, uh, of 20 minutes, more than 100 stories. It's, it's not difficult. I can find them really, really easily, and I don't even need to cut them out. I just fold over the bits of paper so I know exactly where I'm going at any one time. He couldn't find anything. So we thought we'd give him the benefit of the doubt. So by day two... I was kind of on my metal a bit, so I thought I'd arrive in before he did. He arrived in, and he sat in. He didn't actually engage in conversation with anybody, which is a bit difficult on a speech radio station. You expect somebody to say something. And so day two, we went through the same thing. We gave him the set of papers, and he cut them out. And it was about, uh, about five minutes this time, but still only came up with half a dozen stories. And when I said to him, so why do you think I could get more out of that story than, say, this story in here? He didn't quite know. And I wasn't sure whether or not he was, he was suitable for radio. As it turned out, the company thought the same as I did, and so we didn't use him again. Because you only get that one opportunity. You only get the one opportunity to go in, as Christo was explaining, and to sell yourself. And if they like you, they'll find a place for you. If they don't like you, then you have to try something else. But you've got to try. A friend of mine had a reject letter from every radio station in the country. He must have had over, I think, 50 letters of reject. The usual sort of things. They would say, Dear Mr So-and-so, thank you very much indeed for your recent application. Unfortunately, at this moment in time, we have no suitable vacancies. And then the, then the rider on the bottom said, Nor do we foresee anybody any coming up in the distant future. Which is basically telling him, No, you're of no interest at all, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, 84850steve@lbc.co.uk, And uh, we shall weave everything in on the programme. Because we've only got until 8 o'clock, so we'll have to go through the papers.
and uh, and make it. You see, Mary likes uh, John Stapleton and Kate Garraway. There you go. I mean, that that is it, actually. <laughs> Somebody says here, I will give them to my cleaner. Yes, we have a cleaner. What do you do, love? You get out by yourself and do it, do you? No, I'll have a cleaner. Do you not have a cleaner? Oh, gosh, look, everybody had cleaner who lived in flats. Obviously, you don't. But perhaps you get out there and walk up and down the corridors by yourself. I always love it when people say that. It's so funny. <laughs> and, it's, and then somebody else said, because uh, I, was, I was being really good the other day. Do you remember? I've been really, really good. I said it's, it's tax coming up at the end of this month. And because I'm very good at saving my money, um, very, very good at saving my money, I've actually got a bit left over, which I think is quite nice, actually. It's deciding what to... I might, I might get another cleaner. I don't know, perhaps two cleaners. If it winds you up, I'm definitely going to get them. Definitely going to get them. Uh, so poor old, um, poor old Susanna Reid doesn't know where to go doesn't know where to, the program doesn't know where it's going it really doesn't and that should be good news for everybody else who does breakfast shows because it means the worse they become the better chance there is of you inheriting their figures which is good lbc news time it's 6 30 well, really 27 minutes to uh, to seven k burley likes the breakfast show k burley likes it you see but that's the difference that's the difference she's speaking as somebody who does a breakfast show and i'm speaking as a viewer and quite clear, if they've hemorrhaged 300,000 people, I think I'm in the right. It might, you know, it might look aesthetically pleasing and be very sweet and all the rest of it, but it doesn't have what the audience want. And I know what the audiences want. I know exactly what audiences want. And quite clearly, it isn't that. 300,000 to lose. Pitiful. Absolutely pitiful. The amount of money it's costing. Really, just not good enough. And uh, Sean in Camden says, Would you be brave enough to tell Bob Geldof to his face, say during an interview, comma, that his daughter was not an inspiration to a generation? Is of course. Why not? She wasn't an inspiration. Why was she an inspiration to a generation? It was a stupid. Of course not. Jane says, Could I be your cleaner, please? I shall put it to the committee. Yes. And uh, I don't know. We've, we've had our, our cleaner for, for quite a number of years now, Mr Vizzino. And uh, very good he is too. I love the idea that somebody thinks it's my cleaner. Bless their hearts. Never mind. Never mind. It's Sunday morning. It's always the, the end of the drunkenness, I'm afraid. Uh, Carol McGiffin says Rolf was always a creep. It's funny how nobody said anything, has it? Nobody said anything about it. That's why in the papers day, Rolf Harris assaulted me on live television. How long ago was Vanessa on The Big Breakfast? 20 years ago? I don't know. Why I never said anything? Feisty woman on television? Always sold herself as being feisty. Why not say anything? I'd have thought she'd been the first one to smack him in the mouth, but uh, apparently not. Apparently not. I like the idea of a sprout drink juice, but Carol McGiffin says no. And uh, and who have they said for Strictly Come Dancing? No, not Nick Ferrari. Not Nick Ferrari. Dave Berry, they said. Dave Berry could be up for Strictly Come Dancing. I think he'd be quite good at that, actually. He's so slim, it's so depressing. <laughs> Very bit depressing. Charlie Catchpole. Is talking a bit, quite strangely, about Fiona Bruce, who admitted that she had a, a drink in between presenting the 6pm and 10pm bulletin, a cocktail. She nips over the road to the Lanesborough, is it the Lanesborough? And she has a, she has a cocktail there. I mean, to be honest with you, as Charlie Catchpole pointed out, the well-refreshed anchorman Reggie Bosenket, who passed away in 1984, would be turning in his grave. One drink, <laughs> about 30 drinks... Before the bulletin and after the bulletin, he was sozzled most nights, as indeed were many of the newsreaders, many of them. There's a woman here, she's a frumpy 50-year-old, she's a very old-looking 50, and she spent £25,000 on surgery. They always manage to find one. And she says, I want to look like a plastic-rich bitch. Unfortunately, she doesn't look anything like that at all. She just looks ancient. 
And it doesn't matter if you spend money on cosmetic surgery. And I would never advise people to spend money on cosmetic surgery. She's had a facelift, eyes and jaw, and it was £4,000. Well, I don't know where she went to. This must be cut price. Perhaps she went to the local corner shop or something. She's had thread lift. I'm not too sure what thread lift is, but it sounds dreadful. Cheeks, she's had. One and a half thousand. She's had a boob job, uh, which is four thousand. A gastric band, because she can't lose the weight, at four thousand. And then she's had a tummy tuck at six and a half thousand pounds. So she spent... I mean, it would have been easier just to stop eating. She's had regular body contouring, Botox and peels, for three point eight thousand pounds. And she thinks she looks good. She looks even... I mean, she must have looked horrendous before, because she's not looking good at the moment. But yet, she obviously seems to think that this is the way forward. You know, if you have money to spare in the bank, you can go and get yourself cosmetically enhanced. And she thinks spending £25,000 has actually changed it. I don't think it changes it. Because you're still exactly the same person underneath. You're still exactly the same person. It's just that you haven't got, you know, £25,000 in the bank. I was reading... I picked up two magazines this week, just purely because there's so, so much of a dichotomy between them. One is called Closer, and one is called New... And uh, Closer obviously decide they they can't find any celebrities, so they drag on about poor old Chantelle who's piled the weight back on because she likes chips. You know, the word dumb and dumber kind of springs to mind when you see poor old Chantelle. This was Chantelle who was the fake celebrity in a celebrity Big Brother house, which we were hard pushed to find whether there were celebrities in there. And uh, then she married Preston from The Ordinary Boys. Preston was famous for having a bit of a queenie fit and walking off a show with Simon Anstel after Preston started uh, reacting badly to Simon Anstel reading out of Chantelle's book Living the Dream. We, of course, all thought it was hilarious. Preston's career disappeared so fast... It was just wonderful. And uh, on the front of uh, Closer magazine, they've got Lauren's fresh start. I'll get a new body and life in L.A. This is Lauren Goodyear. Now, to be honest with you, I didn't even know she was still here. She is, and uh, and she's because she trowels on the makeup. When you see her without the makeup, I mean, they've got people who park cars who look stunning in America. They don't want somebody like Lauren Goodyear. She has no talent. She has no personality. And she's she's had a word with her best friend, Jordan. It's funny, she never mentioned it before, but now Jordan is her best friend. I'll get a new body and a life in Los Angeles. So that's why the rumour started. Do you remember that she was going broke because she was selling loads of stuff? She's selling it so that she can go and move over to Los Angeles. Easier said than done, Lauren. They, they've got people who are as plain as you, I'm afraid. But then, strangely, on New Magazine, Lauren, Why My LA Move is on hold. They can't quite make up their mind, can they, whether she's here or whether she's going over there. She says she wants to go over there and be very successful. Uh, I say, no chance at all. You haven't managed to be successful in this country. Uh, going to America doesn't make it any easier. People, people fall quicker. People fall much quicker in America. And once you've fallen over there, that's it. You'll find no end of people who can who can take money off you, but they don't actually offer you anything in the end. And you don't have anything to offer, Lauren. I wish I thought you did. I was tweeting the other day. I was watching The Only Way is Essex. And it does make me laugh because you've got Lydia Not-So-Bright and her barking mad mother, who is just, I mean, God knows, if anybody looks like she's been plugged into the electric socket, it's this woman. And so she's on there. You've got, um, you've got Lydia, who's going out with Arge, who you remember slept with Gemma Collins in a cupboard and then told everybody about it. And Lydia is hanging round him like a lovesick puppy. It's a bit embarrassing because since we've seen her, which was two years ago, she's piled on the weight and now her face is showing signs of sort of exploding. And she's still sitting there in what can only be described as a, a fish and chip shop the other day. Um, and they would go, oh, I love my fish and chips. And they had uh, poor old Lauren Poppy in there. I don't know, these poor people who run these businesses probably think, yeah, it's, it's, it's great business. 
but uh, but you've got to put up with these over-made-up women who wander in there, and the blokes with their funny little outfits and their funny little voices. And you can't quite work out what half of them do. One of the papers was particularly unkind about Chloe Sims and little Elliot this week, giving her a new name, which I hadn't heard, heard before. Uh, I got slightly worried about a picture tweeted uh, by some of the Made in Chelsea stars, Louise Anderson, Jamie Lang and Alexandra Felsted. I think that could be Binky's sister. Remember Binky? Credit to everybody. And they were posing during a night out in New York. Uh, But on a table in front of them was a rolled-up banknote and a line of white powder. Now, to be honest with you, I don't know how drunk you'd have to be to be sitting there, having a picture taken, staring into the camera, but right in front of you is a table with a line of white powder. Now, it could be anything. It could be sherbet. I've got white powder over one of the tables upstairs. And it's sherbet. It's come from a sherbet dab, which I had this morning. And as I looked at it, I remember thinking to myself, somebody would think this, I wonder. No, definitely not. Definitely not for me. But anyway, they were celebrating Independence Day celebrations. And so this uh, picture was put up, uh, and I think it was tweeted on Friday... Uh, It's since been removed from the social networking site, but not before hundreds of fans had seen it and several taken to Twitter to point out its suspicious contents. Late yesterday, lawyers acting for Louise's brother, Sam, claimed he'd taken the picture and it was his copyright. The lawyers then then demanded that all copies of the picture be destroyed. Last night, Louise said none of us were aware of any drug taking at the party, never mind being involved. Had Had I had any knowledge that the photo had something in it that looked like drugs, I would obviously never have tweeted it. A spokesman for Alexandra... They can't speak for themselves, these people. They have to get spokespeople in. Says Alexandra had absolutely nothing to do with drug-taking. The Millfield... Oh, no, Alexandra is Binky. Oh, right, she's got two names. One is Alexandra and one is Binky, and she went to Millfield School, which, of course, makes me even more worried for her parents, who've allowed her to pose in her underwear in uh, the Daily Star. God, I mean, she could have got a bit more upmarket and picked Vogue or something like that, but never mind. Uh, Jamie... Uh, who is a descendant of the McVitie's Digestive Biscuit inventor. I don't think it goes any further than that. I think he's a bit Paris Hilton. You know, when they go, oh, Paris Hilton, heir to the Hilton fortune. She's heir to nothing. Heir to nothing at all. That's why she has to get off her fat bottom and get out there and work. Actually, it's not such a fat bottom anymore, is it? Um, more in the, um, the Mail on Sunday today. How secret justice that stopped the Mail on Sunday naming Rolf Harris could let other abusers go free. Uh, and forget says Simon uh, Danzuk, forget the expenses scandal. If MPs have harboured paedophiles, the damage to British democracy will be fatal. But it wouldn't be MPs, would it? Would this not come down from MI6? Would this not be somebody saying, listen, we've got this potentially explosive list of paedophiles operating within the Palace of Westminster, and it's been going on for donkeys. Because this goes back years. It's been going on for such a long, long time. And you begin to wonder if if this list does exist, and if there's people on it, whether or not it will ever get published or whether it will be suppressed. Somebody will take out a, a super injunction or something like that. I mean, I don't actually know whether or not it, it could be, you know, one of these uh, things where we've got lots of, lots of people's names on it. I don't know. I really don't know. 84850, steve at uk. We like to know uh, everything that goes on. In the world, and that's why we go through all the papers on a Sunday morning. And it is interesting on a Sunday, because Sunday's generally the day where you've wandered through for the week and you think, I wonder how many of these stories will carry over. And this week I've been wrong. There's been a couple of stories that uh, that didn't carry over to the papers. I've not been watching Wimbledon. Very nice that uh, Petra uh, Kivoltova, is it? Kivoltova? Uh, is the queen of the court now. But uh, Eugenie was out there again. 
still no, no, no job on the horizon for old Princess uh, Eugenie, which is a bit of a shame. Um, I'm hoping, really, that she's going to find a job at some point, but I think, it's, I think it's highly unlikely. She doesn't obviously appear to want to do any work. And the pregnant daughter of a multi-millionaire gypsy singer is begging and busking in London. That's quite good. So here she is. She's been busking here, over here. Her name is uh, Ramona, and uh, Ramona's father is Ionita Manola, a member of the best-selling Romanian band who've appeared in Hollywood films. And his best friend is Johnny Depp. Well, they say his best friend is Johnny Depp. They've always you know, got a picture of it. They sort of go, his best friends, don't they? That's why you, you get celebrities now. They say, oh, this is my best friend. It's because they've got a picture of the famous person with them. And that's how, it, uh, that's how it, it works nowadays. It's fame by association. And if you can sort of make somebody believe that you're really friendly with Johnny Depp or you're really friendly with Lauren Goodger, although maybe not so, no, not so much with Lauren Goodger, then it sort of ups your profile. Uh, the tennis poster. Do you remember the, the white tennis dress featured in the Athena Tennis Girl poster has fetched 15,500 quid at auction? Not as much as I thought it would have done. It was the dress that, that inspired a generation, unlike Peaches Geldof. Worn by 18-year-old student Fiona Butler, now Mrs Walker, who raised it to scratch her bare bottom for the photograph taken by her then-boyfriend, Martin Elliott. And it became the poster that everybody had on their wall. I didn't have it. My mother didn't allow me to put posters on the wall. It was, it was a lot safer not to put any posters on the wall. I know loads of other people did, and now you can get sort of blue tack and stuff like that. Uh, 84850, steve at quarter to seven. Morning, everybody. Sunday morning. It's not going to be as great, uh, the weather, as it has been of late. It's going to be a bit overcast today, and I can tell you there's going to be some rain, so that's not very exciting, but they say it should, uh, should clear up. The shower should die away today, but uh, showery rain at first, persistent and heavy in the east during the morning. Rain clearing from the west in the afternoon. High today, about 20 degrees. At the moment, it's 16. I can always tell, looking at the white stucco building opposite, I can always tell if it's going to be a nice day. And at the moment, it's an overcast day. But that's good. That's good. As long as it's cool, I do not care. There's people running, I believe, in Regent's Park this morning for charity. And they'll be doing about their three circuits of the park. So reach every, every week... Every week there seem to be people running in Regent's Park for some charity or another. Uh, Monday. can't believe tomorrow's going to be Monday. Uh, showers will slowly die out and it will become uh, dry. And then we get sunny spells on Monday. Cloud bubbling up, scattered showers in the afternoon. Mainly to the north and west of London. And the outlook for Tuesday to Thursday, sunny spells, scattering of showers. So we're back to the rain thing. I don't mind the rain thing. It doesn't bother me. As long as it means, I mean, if it rains a little bit, I don't have to water the baskets as often because it keeps it a bit cool. So I, I don't really mind. I don't really mind. Uh, uh, 84850, steve at Um uh, Another one says, aren't you sad that Andy Murray isn't into the today's Wimbledon fight? Are you a bit sad or something, Sean? You must get a life, actually. There's something the matter with you, aren't you? It's not, you're not all there, are you, in the upstairs department? Poor little soul. Never mind. Never mind. Uh, Lee says, uh, very surprised to see that Billy Marsh have not updated their website. Yes, that because I think you'll find that, uh, that one of their, their clients is Rolf Harris. But then Billy Marsh, I, I don't know how, how often they update the, the website. Probably every so often, I would think. Every so often. I don't know if they've done it on other days, but well done to Morrison's in Wimbledon. On the piazza in front of the store, rows of deck chairs in front of a big television with the ladies' final showing and handing out strawberries. All free, says Merle. See, that's what I call Well, why do they need to do it? Mind you, Morrison's, of course, not doing so well, are they? Not doing so well, I'm afraid. Jeff in Lewisham says, who was Peaches Geldof? 
Well, I don't know. He says during the interview, it's very odd, he said that he was walking through Glasgow or something and somebody said, your peach is Geldof's dad, as opposed to your Bob Geldof, although he's much more famous. And uh, I do remember her dad. He's that chap who was the lead singer of the Boomtown Rats. He was involved with another group called Band-Aid that helped address the famine crisis in the 80s. But Peaches, Geldof, no, sorry, says Jeff. Yes, although, actually, I'd prefer to think it was... uh it was uh, two people who got involved with Band-Aid. It was, it was Bob who was up on the television all the time. But it was Mitch, wasn't it, who was, uh, who was out there doing it. I think who came up with the original idea. And then it sort of raised loads of money. But here we are all these years later and we've got the same problem again. Mainly because of corruption. Mainly because trying to get money and food to these people just doesn't seem to work. Because there's so many people willing to take it off them. Uh, Julie says, did you get enough white shirts? I did. I did. Much to the embarrassment of... My cleaner. Uh, it's the first time I was to wash all my shirts and iron them. And, and I took them in there the other day and he went, oh, not more shirts. I went, yeah, and I was trying to find more. I only found four. And believe you me, I am hunting for the four. I am hunting for them. I'm trying to find as many as possible just to annoy him. The more white shirts I take in, the more angry he becomes and the happier I become. <laughs> Morning, Jackie, in Paddockwood. Uh, quickly, 84850, Steve, at uk. Camilla Tomine who, as you know, is a guest with, uh, with Nick Ferrari, um, uh, was, was saying exactly the same as I did the other week. Cool Britannia, she says, turns out to be a bit of a damp squib. Uh, billed as the sequel to Tony Blair's 1997 Downing Street reception attended by Noel Gallagher, guests rubbing shoulders with the Prime Minister at last week's Whitehall bash included Danielle Lineker. She goes, who? I agree. I couldn't believe she was... Uh, I'm assuming she made up numbers. I just can't think about, you know, any reason why anybody would ever ask Danielle Lineker to do anything at all. She's, she's absolutely nobody. Absolutely nobody at all, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, Steve at uk. Uh, rubbish week. Steve, if you're a children's presenter from the 70s and 80s, a bad week for sports stars. Murray, Nadal, Cavendish. Oh, Murray, I mean, pfft, not up to scratch at all, I'm afraid. And, uh, and uh, a dreadful week for politicians. The girl in Magaluf who got drunk before the lewd act 24 times. I mean, you can't blame her so much. I know. I, f- I find it hilarious, of course, that her parents are Christian. You'd have thought they wanted to play that one down immediately. I mean, why on earth would you say to something, her parents are Christian, as if that made any difference? Does it have to be like daughter, like parents? No, of course not. She's obviously doing her own thing, and quite clearly she's some drunken old person who goes out there and behaves like that. You don't just sort of inherit that after a couple of drinks. Terrible. Uh, Bill says, was watching the Sweeney and the radio in the car played uh, an LBC advert. Yes, it played the jingle. Of course it did. We were the first commercial radio station. What do you expect it to be playing? Hi-ho, Silver Lining by Jeff Beck? I don't think so. Uh, Mel... Oh, dear, I'm not sure you can take this on a Sunday. Mel B's lesbian romp in Lou is the front page of the Sun for today. Stig's got a lot to answer for later on. And the England cricket captain, Andrew Strauss, called Kevin Peterson an absolute used a rude word, uh, which is also a bit sad. And uh, But then people do use bad language now, don't they, on the television. And uh, and here it is, Playboy Girl, my one-hour sex in lieu with Mel B. There have been many rumours over the years, ladies and gentlemen, about Mel B. I certainly didn't, wasn't aware of this one. But uh, here it is here. She threw me against the wall and then stripped me, seduced by Scary Spice. 
There was always a, a story during the rounds years ago that Scary Spice tried to seduce everybody in the Spice Girls. And I remember thinking at the time, what a load of old rubbish. What a load of old rubbish. And then you read this story and you suddenly think, well, maybe not, maybe not. And uh, perhaps that's why the group split up. Perhaps they'd had enough of her, uh, her gallivantings. A little bit worried. She says, I got the impression her husband wanted to be involved. We were in the disabled toilet so long security came in. Oh dear, tacky old Mel B. But there again, we always thought she was tacky old Mel B. Talking of tacky, Melanie Sykes is back again. And um, she's vowed never to wed again. Oh, thank God for that. There you go, there is a God. There is a God. That's nice, isn't it? She's vowed... So, all right, men, you're safe. Safe, because she finished with the last boyfriend. And uh, and now, and to be honest with you, I don't know why they do it. Who cares about Melanie Sykes? I couldn't care. Why do you want to tell people about your private life? Why do you want to tell people who you're going out with, who you're not going out with, why? You don't care. Nobody cares. I mean, especially for Melanie Sykes. I mean, otherwise known as Des O'Connor's carer. You know, it was lovely to see them working together on the television, and we love Des, as you know. But then there was another girl in the paper today, uh, Pascal Kramer. I don't know who she is. I might have to check with Stig later on. But uh, she went out with Ashley Cole. Oh, they, oh, that's why. Oh, I've remembered who, uh, who, who Pascal is. She was formerly in The Only Way is Essex, and I think they got rid of her due to lack of interest and the fact she couldn't quite find her brain cell. And so she goes out with Ashley Cole because it's the only way she knows to make money, and then she can sell the story afterwards. And she says here... <laughs> she's so dumb. She's so dumb. She said, he just wants a woman for sex. No kidding. No You are so bright. Pascal Kramer, go to the top of the class. Do you do quantum physics? You are so bright. That is unbelievable. Fancy her working that out. All by her little lonesome. And she's how old? Pascal is... 25. Wow, you are so bright. Good Lord. And she claims she ditched him because he was only interested in sex. No, what did you think, dear? Lego, stick men, you are the dumbest of that. Small wonder they got rid of you out the anywhere's Essex. Small wonder you had to go. You've got to have somebody with a brain cell in there. I know that we're we're really trying to find them, and it was so difficult the other day trying to find people with a brain cell in the anywhere's Essex. is a little bit embarrassed. People of Essex generally have the brain cells. The people I'm afraid actually, you know, who 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 don't who don't sort of have any brain cells, are there all the time. 84850, uk. read everything out. Uh, I see that Dorman Dom is with us this morning, which is lovely. We like to know that he's, uh, he's with us. And, uh, and the more he's with us, it, we, we know actually that it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a, a, good, a good day because he's actually uh, up at the crack of dawn. But it probably means he's only just gone to bed because he'd be feeling a little bit, uh, little bit fragile, I should imagine. <laughs> Poor soul. Uh, more carnage in Magaluf. The Sun witnessed it over there. I mean, you don't need to send a reporter over to Magaluf. You really don't. You can find this quite easily. I mean, I promise you, every night of the week, every night of the week, you can find drunks in Magaluf. You can find them in uh, Falaraki. You can find them in Ibiza. You can find them in San Antonio. It's not difficult. It really isn't difficult. It's, I mean, the, the girl at the centre of the sex video has been forgiven by her Christian parents. I don't believe that at all. A family friend says the teenager filmed in a bar was led astray after she dropped her godly protection. She was led astray 24 times. I think we know exactly what she is. Apparently, the 18-year-old's parents were said to be shocked and horrified. Well, <laughs> that would be putting it mildly. And, uh, anyway, uh, she was taken for an organised pub crawl... She, I'm sorry, she went to Magaluf. 
what kind of parent lets their child go to Magaluf? I mean, it's not like going to Bridlington, is it? It's not like going to... You're going to Magaluf. What is Mag... What, what does it rhyme with? Magaluf... Aloof. Come on! Grow up, parents. Don't be so stupid. Apparently, a pal says she's been a victim, a target of, of evil, of wickedness. Nope, she's an old tart, and I think we proved that quite successfully when we saw her on the video. And I don't think she was a victim of wickedness at all. She's a drunken old tart in Magaluf, doing what loads of other people do over there. And shame on her parents, who quite clearly had no idea where the old brass was. She was over there, all trying to get a free drink, and she'll do anything for a free drink. Oh dear, what a shame. Magaluf police are handing out on-the-spot fines to people too drunk. It's, another, it's a way of making money, isn't it? So that the Magaluf police, hand-in-hand hand with the people who own the bars in Magaluf, the people in the bars get them drunk, the Magaluf police get them arrested, and they charge them 48 quid a time. Everybody's quids in! Everybody's quids in! All the people in Magaluf are making a fortune. The police, the bar owners, they couldn't care less. They don't care that, you know, everybody goes over there just to get drunk and sort of behave very, very badly. That doesn't really matter, does it? That doesn't really matter. They're only going over there to make money, and all the people in, in Magaluf are making loads of money. Now the police have decided to capitalise on it as well. And so it's a win-win situation. The only losers are all the old tarts who go over there from here, and they're, going, they're not going over there for sun, sea and sangria, and maybe having a kebab. They're not doing that at all. Told you. We went uh, over there, got out of the taxi, had a look at Magaluf, got back in the taxi, went straight back. What a dump. What a dump. It appeals to low-life drunks. And if any parent listening and has got children going to Magaluf, well, more fool you, eh? More fool you. You know exactly what goes on over there. You can't... Oh, my God, fathers, what on earth is that? What a dreadful picture. Who is it? Oh, it's Danielle Westbrook. Poor old Danielle. I mean, she's 40 now and she's going out to nightclubs. I don't want to be rude, Danielle. Aren't you a bit old for going to nightclubs at 40 years old? Should you not be doing a knitting class or something like that? Or sort of staying in doing painting by numbers? But she takes her, her little toy boy lover, Tom Richards, out. I mean, Lord above. Where do they get you from, Sweet Pea? He's wearing, even though the papers have said, slap the stylist, he's wearing a see-through T-shirt that showed off, it showed off his even dodgier blue boxer shorts. Boxer shorts, dear? It's a bit gay, isn't it? Nobody wears boxer shorts anymore. Oh, dear me. And Danielle, I'm not surprised you look embarrassed... 40-year-old girl, you know, take, and going to a nightclub in Essex. Mind you, they said, um, equally awful dressers, Towies, Chloe Sims and Elliot Wright were there. Yes, I mean, they are, I mean, they're really well past their sell-bys, aren't they? But funny to watch on the television. It's nice to see the elderly getting a, getting a look-in, because they, they don't get a look-in all the time, do they? So when they go out to the Essex nightclubs, you can bump into Daniela Westbrook. Whoopie-doo. <laughs> Still plenty more to come on today's programme. Mylene Class has been photographed publicly kissing her new romance in a park, but she's not telling us his name. How lucky there was a photographer, eh? How lucky, Mylene. Oh, there's me thinking you were publicly hungry. Melanie Sykes is posing in the sun in a nice swimsuit. She's vowed never to wed again after the collapse of her marriage. There you go, guys. Told you it was safe to come outside. Kim and Kanye West have apparently left their lavish Irish honeymoon hideout. They haven't paid yet. They left after three hours. Oh, Michelle Keegan wants a baby. That lovely. Apparently, they're looking for a house in London. Do you think the career will sustain two houses, one in Essex and one in London? God, I hope so, dear. So far, we're a little bit thin on the ground for work, aren't we? From LBC and Steve Allen, it's all next. 
Morning, everybody. Sunday morning, and Kelly Brooks taking her clothes off again. Oh, one of these days, perhaps she'll keep them on and do us all a favour. I mean, we've seen it all before, love, OK? There's nothing new in it. It's just getting more and more dreary and more saggy as the years go by. Uh, Mylene Class has been photographed publicly kissing her new romance in a public park. Luckily, she took her own photographer with her. She's still not telling us his name. Ooh, big secrets there for Mylene. Can't believe it. Michelle Keegan wants a baby. I know, it's a bit Jedward, isn't it? You feel like saying to her, are you aware of how people have babies nowadays? They go, I want a baby. Well, then, have a baby. But, I mean, I would have thought it would kill the career stone dead, but there again, it can't get much quieter than it is at the moment. And uh, how your birth month has shaped your life. Which is the luckiest month? I'll tell you right now on LBC. Apparently, May's quite good. Kylie Minogue is a, is a May child. Uh, April, you get Emma Watson and Posh Spice. So, I mean, they're both fairly successful, aren't they? Um, you get Andy Murray in May, so maybe I might take that back again, because Andy Murray's not that successful now. June, you get Cheryl Cole, so forget that one completely. July, you've got Lindsay Lohan. Uh-oh, bad news. August, Cara Delevingne. Think not. September, Prince Harry. Think not. Uh, October, you've got uh, David Cameron. Think not. Uh, November, Miley Cyrus. So-so. Uh, December, Ozzy Osbourne. Somebody reported back to me the other day, because he was doing a gig, Black Sabbath, in Hyde Park the other day. They said, he just looks like an old man now. He's passed his sell-by. Poor soul, honestly. I feel a bit sorry for him. At least it managed to get uh, Kelly out with her funny little hairstyle, which was very funny. Uh, March is Lady Gaga, Will I Am. That'll do for me, thank you. Uh, February, you get Jennifer Aniston. It's OK. And January, get Elvis. I don't know, which one would you want to be? Elvis, I suspect. Elvis. Still the most, one of the most successful dead celebrities, which is, uh, which is good, I suppose, for him. I did laugh. Ryan Giggs in the paper today, because he's now achieved a whole new degree of success. Um, he's been made a Bachelor of Science by the University of Bolton for his outstanding contribution to sport. Don't make me laugh, please. They hand them out like jelly tots, don't they? Ryan Giggs. <laughs> Hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Uh, more pictures of Kelly Brook with her clothes. Well, actually, they say it's Kelly Brook naked, but to be honest with you, I see more of myself when I'm in the shower. It's just Kelly Brook having another... They say her sauciest shoot yet. Let's have a word with Stig about their idea of saucy. And uh, what have we got here? We've got uh, Beauty Extra. It's little Lucy Mecklenburg. Still looking a bit vacant in between the ears. A bit like sort of Helen Flanagan. Hell's Kitchen, they call it, where Helligan wears... Uh, Helligan. Where Helen wears sort of like a bodice in the kitchen. It's a bit odd, but you know that, you know, there's nothing going on between the ears, I'm afraid. Absolutely nothing at all going on there. And uh, because tomorrow is... It's the Tour de France, and it means there's going to be road closures all over the place. I got very excited about last year. I never... I never... I never actually sort of get too excited about the Tour de France, but uh, but I have done in this particular instance. I sort of enjoy. I thought it was great the other day. All the villages they went through and hundreds and thousands of people out there. I thought that was great. It's so exciting. If you've never seen it, it's worth lining the route. It's absolutely worth lining the route to watch these. I mean, you don't get to spot anybody. They just go through so fast, so fast. And I, I love stuff like that. I mean, I absolutely love it. I really do love it. And we did, we did trek miles the other day. Miles and miles. Here are the pictures of Mylene Class with her new Scandinavian boyfriend with a photographer. And, uh, because otherwise, I mean, how would you know she was going to the park to wear, um, to wear a little outfit? And the answer is because they actually tell them they're going to the park and so they can have a picture taken. And so it keeps the, uh, it keeps the publicity machine hungry and keeps it, uh, keeps it generating. Other stories in the papers for today. This is the VIP pedos buster on the killer's hit list. The MP who gave the Home Secretary this dossier was targeted by a triple murderer. 
And this is Geoffrey Dickens. 50 pages of claims to Leon Britton. Leon Britton, not a clue. Not a clue. Can't remember anything. Oh, yeah, wait a minute. I did hand something over. Did you not make copies? The most explosive document you've ever had in your hand and, and you didn't make a copy of it? Doesn't quite sound right, does it, really? Uh, also, uh, Alwyn, this is Rolf Harris's wife, won't survive Rolf's prison term. Not sure that Rolf will survive uh, prison term at all. And this is uh, Vince Hill, who said that uh, Harris was the sole carer of Alwyn, who's in a terrible state. I know. Well, you have to ask yourself the question, don't you? I mean, he's hurt everybody, but her probably the most. Her probably the most, I'm afraid. It's a, it's a very sad state of affairs. Very, very sad. Even after Andrew Pearce said the other day, he said, it's Rolf Harris, he said, I'm disappointed. And, uh, and lots of other people have come out and said they're so disappointed that it was Rolf Harris. They so didn't want it to be true, and it so turned out to be true, which is not so good, is it? Everybody advising poor old Colleen Rooney. Remember Colleen went on holiday, and she took a normal domestic flight, but with her Louis Vuitton bags... And um, and then, she, as I say, you're going on a domestic flight, love. I mean, how foolish are you? Why don't you just buy cheap bags in Primark? You remember Primark? You like Primark? And go in there, buy a cheap bag, and then put it, put your stuff in there, and then nobody will nick it. But put it in Louis Vuitton luggage. I mean, A, most people will think it's probably fake, because they wouldn't imagine anybody would be that stupid to travel on a domestic flight with proper Louis Vuitton luggage. But, of course, you did, so not particularly the brightest thing. I've got a story as well, actually, um, which I'll bring you in a, in a moment about... Uh, oh, no, I'm going to tell you now, actually. It's the daughter of Bruce Willis and Demi Moore has an unlikely new lover, former Hollyoaks hunk, Ricky Whittle. Didn't you know he was still a... Ricky Whittle? Good Lord. Anyway, uh, Ricky, who is uh, 32... Um, I don't know what he does now. He moved to Los Angeles after he split with his Hollyoaks co-star. And what he does now, I've got no idea. Apart from he was on Strictly Come Dancing and he did a topless calendar. And that's about it. That's about... Perhaps he's parking cars. Perhaps he's parking cars. Jerry Halliwell is set to wed her millionaire boyfriend. Oh, God. You wait till he discovers there's no conversation. You wait till he discovers that it'll be... It might as well talk to the cat. Seriously, you get a better conversation out of the cat than out of Jerry Halliwell. What's she got to talk about? What does she do? What does she do? She doesn't do anything. I mean, she used to be a sort of singer as such. But then she was the one who sort of left the, uh, the Spice Girls and it all went pear-shaped. Terrible. Uh, more from one of the Nolans on uh, Rolf Harris. He pounced on me when I was just 15. I watched the other day... I'm not going to tell you who the star is. I was watching an old television programme. All right, I'll tell you what it was. It was Wheel Tappers and Shunters. And there was a person on there and he's flirting with a young girl in the audience. Flirting with a young girl in the audience. Very, very well-known, established person. And uh, he says, he says, come here. And so he says, uh, he says, you've won a prize. He says, go to my dressing room and take all your clothes off. Now, this, would, this was obviously funny in those days. When you look at it now, you look at it a bit out of context. You think, this isn't so funny. He said, I'll guarantee you get a council house. And I'm thinking, oh, dear, I'm not sure about this anymore. And there's loads of that that goes on on the, on the, the wheel tappers. If you sat there and watched it, you'd be horrified. Absolutely horrified. Really terrible. But there's uh, somebody else who went to uh, who went with uh, their husband to go and get an award at Buckingham Palace. And the hubby took the photograph and they're all talking about uh, what went on. Rolf Harris used to touch people inappropriately. And nobody said anything. Nobody said anything at all. That's what amazed me at the time. They didn't, I can understand maybe a 15-year-old not saying anything. That, that I could understand. I can't understand somebody like Vanessa Phelps. I'd forgotten, of course, she even did the... Uh, the big breakfast programme. But why would she not say anything? She was supposedly feisty. 
Why, why leave it till now? Nothing clever coming out now and saying it. Now he's been said. She didn't even say it when he was charged. Why did she not say anything? Why, why was nothing said about it? I couldn't, couldn't quite understand why it's of relevance now and urging other people to come out and, uh, and say that something happened to them as well. Well, another 12 have. It's, it's, has she been away or something? I'm not sure whether or not she's, she's missed out on what's been going on. 12 people in court. About another 12 people have come out. I mean, are, are you going to lawyers? Are you seeking or are you just selling the story to the paper? Is that the way it works nowadays? One of the people in the, in the uh, Rolf Harris story had already sold her story to an Australian newspaper for 33,000 quid. They obviously see money, don't they, at the end of the day. Mick Jagger has moved on. He bedded two girls in 48 hours. And you look at a picture in the paper, it just looks like some old man who's <laughs> on his last legs. He looks like you need to put air in his mouth and pump him up a bit to sort of make his cheeks a bit sort of normal again. But they say here that he's, uh, he's sort of been out... And he's had a fling, which, well, obviously he's still capable, isn't he? So um, far be it from me to, to comment on things like that. I don't like to comment on things like that. Makes me feel a bit uh, bit depressing. Um, here we go, John Prescott, still packing a punch. Unfortunately, he's not. Uh, I wonder what he's got to say about the, uh, the Leon Britton scandal. It is going to be a scandal, make no doubt about it. I'm pretty certain that later on today people will be talking about Leon Britton. I know that Andrew Pearce was talking about it yesterday. Les Dawson's friends and family are battling to win him a posthumous OBE. Can they do that nowadays? Can they give OBEs to people? Can they make sure that, that he gets... It seems a bit, bit of a pointless waste of time, doesn't it, really? Why, why give it to him when he's, uh, when he's, um, when he's dead? It doesn't quite work, does it? I do like this one, the X Factor contestant suing the show um, because he says um, they set me up. And so he, he dresses up as a woman. He dresses up as uh, Britney Spears and he's claiming all sorts of things. Now, I should point out that uh, I have vested interest in this show because they're making a television programme. And to make a television programme, they have to get certain things on there. So sometimes you get sob stories. Sometimes, with a bit of luck, the entire family has sort of died and they go on television because it was their dying wish of their parents that they wanted to see them on television. Or failing that, they only want to do this because they're doing it for a sick aunt in Woolumba or wherever it is. They're making a television programme. And the more heartbreaking stories they have, the more the more people love it because they put it with the music and then they sort of, you know, and it's, it's so beautifully edited. I cannot fault this programme. I've said a million times before, we know they're going to put stupid people on there. We know that if you're a magician, you're never going to get the things shown because it's so quick. It's so quick. You don't have enough time to actually get out there and showcase what you think is your particular talent. Some bloke dressing up as Britney Spears, as far as I'm concerned, is not really something you could put on the Royal Variety performance. It's just not. It's going in front of the Queen or whoever's going to be suffering with it this year. And so he's actually claiming damages. And he says, I've been lied to, manipulated and used. Of course. Of course, that's what it is. It's a television show. You sign a little document. If you read it, and if you read it very carefully, you know, you can see that they can do anything. They can take your image and they can use it because they own the images. That's the way it works. He says, uh, you know, that they made him into a joke act. And he claims that they tricked him into singing badly in a bid to boost the ratings. The researchers bombarded him with tweets saying they could make him the next Ryland Clark. Oh God, we don't want two. We only want one Ryland. One is quite bad enough. I mean, I wouldn't mind, but, I mean, God, no, it's awful. Dreadful. Quick time check. You know, because I'm feeling in a fairly cheerful mood today. I love it when it gets all overcast and nearly rains outside. I thrive on other people's misery. Other people are going, no, we want sunshine. And I'm going, no, 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 no. I want cold wind and rain, I'm afraid. And with a bit of luck, I'm going to get it today. Quarter past seven. 
Morning, everybody. Sunday morning. We have 40 minutes remaining. I shall try and be as nice as possible. No, out the window straight away. There's no point in being nice on a Sunday morning. Why be nice? Nothing to be nice about, as Carol Malone wrote in her column today. The half-page ad in a national newspaper said, Standard Life is proud to sponsor Andy Murray. I bet they're not now, she writes. Not after his four-letter rant on Centre Court last week. Don't get me wrong, she says. I was glad Murray won Wimbledon last year, but I still think he's a completely unlovable character with about as much charisma as a piece of wet cardboard. This week... His playing against Grigor, he embarrassed himself by shouting, swearing and being childishly petulant. As a result, he lost. Yep, it's undeniable. He plays fantastic tennis, but he'll never be one of the great players because he lacks what makes a great tennis player, which is warmth, humour, compassion and humility. I know, and he's got a very boring mother as well. And if uh, if the the agents have their way, they're going to put her up on Strictly Come Dancing. God, blimey. Two failures in the family. That'll be hilarious, won't it? But uh, we do like Carol Malone's column. Always like Carol Malone. Always, uh, always read her every week. Actually, there's quite a number of columns that I read in the paper. I like reading the TV critics. I'm always, always reading Kevin O'Sullivan. And he talks about The Only Way is Essex, where uh, Duckface Chloe refused to forgive for... Biv- for- Fibber Fern. It's not easy to say, is it? Mind you, duck-faced Chloe, of course, rolls off my tongue immediately. And, of course, you remember that Fibber Fern has been lying to Charlie, who's the one who doesn't really know where he is and can barely string the words together needed for a conversation. And uh, and Chloe, duck-faced. I think duck-faced sums her up, actually. I mean, it's just so embarrassing to look at her. It really is. I mean, this week she was lying in bed with Elliot. Okay, They go home and they lie in bed. And, and there is Chloe on her side, saying, this, this is my side of the bed. In this sort of funny little five-year-old girl voice she appears to put on every so often. I seriously think she talks like a navvy, whereas I think Elliot also talks like a five-year-old girl, but that's just my personal opinion. So he's lying this side of the bed, and she said, because until we're in a serious relationship or we're married, and I'm thinking, you're having some sort of joke or something. You know, not exactly the most celibate person we've ever seen in the programme. But the worst thing, as far as Kevin O'Sullivan is uh, watching at the moment, is... Big Brother. Horror of horrors, Matthew is out, a nation weeps. He says, what do you mean you couldn't care less? It's very important. Thanks to the tragic uselessness of everybody involved, Channel 5's epically pointless reality TV dinosaur has its knockers. Inset sexist uh, joke there. But for the millions or so diehards still tuning in, there's a grim fascination about watching the people trying to become famous. The disgusting Helen, the uh, former hooker, you remember who's on there now, screaming like a banshee. But, of course, they keep her in there because it's, it's worth it. Well, because once she goes, you know, they might as well close the programme down. But she is quite violent. When she comes out, she'll be pelted with rotten fruit. I'm secretly hoping somebody will be selling it outside. But uh, she's a, a drunk and she's foul-mouthed. And I think she fits the job that she had, ladies. Apparently now she's a hairdresser. Hilarious, isn't it? Camp Matt wasn't the most likeable man in town, but he didn't deserve an ex-prostitute calling him every foul name under the sun just because he refused to play a smutty parlour game. She's tacky in the extreme. It is disgusting. And I can't understand, actually, why Channel 5 have even... It's not even owned by Richard Desmond anymore. I don't know why, why they bother with it. Kick the old bag out. Failing that, let's find a sort of slurry pit we can drop her into. I mean, they're all there. Himbo Marlon, fake millionaire Stephen, pawn pin-up Kimberly, and uh, deep space Ulster Bimbo Ashley... I mean, you've never seen anybody... I mean, there's nothing going on between these people's ears. And, of course, the worst thing is nobody's actually watching it, which is a great shame. But uh, I am watching a little bit of Celebrity Masterchef. I don't watch too much of it. I'm only watching it for, uh, for Kiki D. 
Don't go baking that tart. You know, that's the only person that I want to see on the television because we like Kiki D. And she had a box set out a short while ago. But, uh, oh no, and Tina Hobley's on there as well, and we like Tina Hobley. We like people like that. I've got certain people that I actually like, and I've got certain people I can't stand. And, uh, and the people I can't stand are anybody like Lauren Goodger, with no talent whatsoever, who disports herself in the magazines and gives interviews as if anybody really gives a, gives a 4X. I can't get into Brendan O'Carroll and Mrs Brown Boys at all. I cannot understand how some old Irish bloke putting a, a woman's wig on and pretending to be a woman is funny. I just don't get it. I mean, perhaps I'm missing the joke of the century. I'm sure some people think it's absolutely hilarious. I think it's... I mean, I'm sure, because there's a film out as well at the moment, and I'm sure it's wonderful. Mind you, I'm one of those people who saw Barry Humphreys in a film years ago called The Adventures of Barry Mackenzie. And I remember sitting in the cinema, I don't know why we went to see a cheap film, I suppose, and we sat there and we're going, is that a man or is that a woman? As Dame Edna sort of hove into view. And, and I don't... I don't quite actually sort of... I just didn't get the gag then. But I understand it's very clever. But he treats it very, very seriously. There's no, there's no messing around. He has, he has deep conversations about, you know, the characters that he creates. And that's it. I like Cheryl Cole's man has the approval of Simon Cowell. Jean-Bernard Fernandez-Vecini. That's such a gay name, isn't it? It really is. Jean-Bernard Fernandez-Vecini. I mean, it's not going to go well, is it? And this is Cheryl Tweedy. You remember Cheryl you know, sort of one of those in a, in a tower block in Newcastle. And he's who? Pop-up cafe in Cannes. <sighs> what do they talk about? Well, you can only hazard a guess at dinner. Why, eh? Because I'm worth it. And I could take you to meet me mother. Would you like to meet me mother? <laughs> and here's the rest of my chav family. And he's going, uh, but I thought we're, you know, um, I thought you were cultured. Nope, she's not at all. Simon Cowley should take her out for dinner so people could laugh at how limited her conversation was. And we know how limited she was. Because we all saw her on Graham Norton, where she can smile, but she can't quite see anything. She's not really got the intelligence to go there. Dolly Parton's still all over the newspapers. Mind you, with a bosom that size, she'd have to be, wouldn't she? You're hardly going to fit her on the back of a postage stamp. And uh, she appeared at Glastonbury. Everybody's saying the same thing, though. Still, was she live? Were bits of it live? Was it Memorex? I think bits of it were live and bits of it were pre-recorded. I think so. When she does the little, the little songs. My favourite was, just go on and watch her singing Me a Little Andy on YouTube. It's a, it's a great little song because she sings songs about, about dead people. And, uh, and some of them are quite, quite pitiful. She does do sad songs. But then most country songs are sort of, you know, um, we had a car crash and over there was my baby. And over there was my baby. And way over there was my baby. Uh, I think that was a song called Car Crash. Because something happens. It's either the next-door neighbour's pinched your, your husband or your wife, and you've been together for, like, 25 years, and they're bitchy done wonder with him next door, and they sing all these songs. Or, feeling like, the cat's been run over. You know, that was always a fairly popular one, wasn't it? Or, I've just been out and my dog got lost. And so everything in the country music file is all to do with depression. Ain't nobody had a happy song. Tammy Wynette had her D-I-V-O-R-C-E... And, and you just think to yourself, are they all miserable? It's like, it's like looking at The Only Way is Essex and wondering if poor little Bobby Colnorris is ever going to end up looking like somebody who resembles a human being as opposed to Ming the Merciless. You wonder whether or not he's ever going to smile, if he can smile, or if there is so much torture in his life that he just can't get through the next day. What with him and Harry, I mean, they just look like two naff Christmas tree decorations as far as I'm concerned. Even Nick Ferraris talked about Dolly Parton. I don't think he'd ever mention The Only Way is Essex. When she was asked how long it takes to do a hair, she said, I don't know. I'm never there. You know, because that's quite... I mean, as she says, it takes quite a while to look this trashy. And she does look trashy. For 68, she looks trashy. Mind you, I work with people like that. I work with people who look trashy. But they don't do it intentionally. 
They do it unintentionally. Uh, Kele- Kevin O'Sullivan, writing in his column today, because we like Kevin, uh, says that the celebrity MasterChef contestants, the showbiz desperados, whose careers have far- fallen so far into the toilet, I would say they've just made it to the U-bend. They've just made it into the U-bend, because that's the only water in your toilet is in the U-bend. You don't need to worry about anything else. It's not going to be sort of an avalanche. But, uh, but I, I do worry about... I mean, I wouldn't do things like that. I was listening to a presenter the other day. Oh, no, I can't tell you that story. I've just realised I can't tell you. I so want to tell you. I've got so many stories that I really want to tell you about celebrities that I know and people who think they're celebrities, but I just I can't, I can't tell you. There's a picture on the front of TV Extra magazine, and, and it's, uh, it used to be a quality freebie given away by Richard Desmond, and then it went a bit cheap, and then they actually couldn't find anybody to put in it. So they've got people here... Georgia Salper. Who? Exactly. I don't know who she is either. But on the front page is Catherine Tilsley. I don't think I'm sexy. Not with a nose that size, darling, you're not, I'm afraid. I don't want to be rude, but dear God, you could have landed Concord with that. You really could. I mean, honestly, you make Jodie Marsh look attractive. No, I take that back. I take that back. But here is Catherine Tilsley. You know, too much publicity. Very little acting experience, dear. I suggest we concentrate on the acting and try and have some sort of career because all this naff publicity is just... It's not good enough. It's not good enough, I'm afraid. And there's got to be more, too, but may- maybe a little from an operation, you know, that, that suits you, you know. The Tour de France. Does it come anywhere near London? I think we go to Epping, don't we, with the Tour de France? I love it. I love it. I'm advising everybody to go out there and enjoy it. Uh, the X Factor at War... They're planning to make this year's series an all-out war between the judges because they've got Cheryl Cole. Well, I mean, she doesn't say anything. I think what they have to do is script things for her. I think she's a bit Louis Walsh. Louis Walsh does come up with the same lines most of the time. And uh, Simon Cowell, and now we all know about Mel B, I think Cheryl Cole should be very scared. Very, very scared. Hope you read the papers today, Cheryl, or somebody reads them to you. I don't really mind, actually. LBC News Time, 7.30. Steve Allen on LBC. 26 minutes to uh, 8 is the time. We should do well in the Tour de France, because now our forte is in cycling, says Mark, or water sports. It's just that we're not good with any game that involves balls. I know, and Bridget says, I nearly crashed the car last night, driving back from the theatre in Aylesbury, and listening to Friday's podcast when I heard you say that Hertfordshire folk are dumb and dumber. Remember who identified Menuden for you from very sketchy clues? doesn't include you, Bridget. You should know that by now. Goodness sake, honestly. Uh, 84850, read the Melby story... Isn't she the new X-Factor judge? Yes, but this is, this is a bit more than being an X-Factor judge. This is where I think we should send a warning out to Cheryl Cole that she might be making a grab for her. You know, a little bit, little bit worrying there. Uh, great in conversation today, says Malcolm. John Craven, very interesting. Milton, very funny. Good one. Well, they're all good. Worth downloading. We've got so many now. I'm, just, I'm working so hard. So hard at the moment. I can't understand posthumous medals for bravery in battles, but surely it's a waste of time for honours and awards. I loved Les Dawson, Steve. It'll make no difference to me if he's got an OBE while he's still in the grave. If they get it passed, then Dave Allen deserves a knighthood and Tommy Cooper. Yeah, I had dinner with, um, with Dave Allen. Uh, and Adrian says, is it just me, but since when has Andy Murray's mother become a celebrity? Since she became an irritant. Since she became very irritating. Is she riding on her son's fame? Yes. Is she very irritating? Yes. If you play a country and western song backwards, Steve, you get the happy ending. Thank you. The old ones are the best. Yeah, everything's a bit dreary, isn't it? And uh, Anna is setting up the more vintage fair at the Royal Masonic School in Rickmansworth. Free entry and parking, live music, over 40 stalls and possibly the best tea shop ever. 10.30 till 4. 
Sounds good news, doesn't it? Good news if people are raising money for today. It's a piece of the paper about uh, about Michelle Keegan, who's very loved up, and uh, we've all had to suffer with the boring interviews that she's given about her clothing range for Lipsy, which apparently she's designed. <laughs> yeah, right. But anyway, uh, they're now looking for a child-friendly home. Uh, a year after getting engaged, Michelle says, we're not planning anything yet, but our source said last night, Michelle and Mark are secretly keen to have a baby. No kidding. Really? Good Lord. They haven't been shouting it from the rooftops because they don't want to feel rushed. Nobody cares unless what you do. But uh, they're hoping. Apparently, they started dating 18 months ago and have been house hunting in London. I thought they were house hunting in Essex, or perhaps that's fallen through. Anyway, they've been looking to move in together and they've asked an estate agent to wait, to find, wait for this, um, a child-friendly room. What? A child fr- what, what about bars on the window, do you mean? I mean, dear God in heaven. They've looked at a number of four-bedroom properties in Clapham uh, through an agent. Our source says another request they made was for the property to be ready to move into. They don't want to have to redecorate. <laughs> yeah, right. It's hilarious, isn't it? I love it. I love when stuff like that appears in the paper because you know damn well it's all going to fall apart very, very shortly. Uh, 84850, steve at Oh, it's Sam Fahir's flogging her perfume around the country. That's good, isn't it? Will you be buying some, ladies and gentlemen? Come on, come on, it's cheaper than toilet duck. Admittedly, you don't get the nice blue colour with it, but, I mean, it's well worth it. And you get a picture of Sam Fears, and, uh, and she can't wait to meet you. She wants to meet all her fan. So that'll be lovely, won't it? Be nice going out there. I'm a bit slightly perturbed by a pub in the paper today where the ceiling is covered with free toys that the barman has won at a local theme park. 2,000 toys. Suspended. It sounds like a fire hazard to me. I'm surprised the fire brigade haven't been in there. George Stoddart spent two hours a day landing dozens of furry prizes on stalls at Alton Towers. And now the walls and ceiling of the Piggery restaurant, I wonder what they sell, which is near Alton, all have stuffed toys hanging from them. As I say, it sounds like a huge fire hazard. These toys are made overseas and they look highly dangerous. If you were to match to these things, they would go up like a tinderbox. Hope the fire brigade are reading the papers for this morning. And they're going to be checking um, very carefully. I see uh, Jamelia has been given a dressing down by an ex-lover after revealing details about their relationship on Loose Women. Oh, dear. She got an angry phone call from a former boyfriend. She said, I sometimes speak about things in my life and I get personal. This is just part of me being honest. Yes, but on television you can't do it, dear. Nobody says you can't go and stand in the pub and have a chat about it. But you just can't, you know, go on television and start talking about your ex-boyfriends. He didn't want to be talked about. So be very, very careful. I'm surprised that uh, nobody in the gallery spoke in your ear and sort of said, I don't think you should be talking about this. There's an article in The, uh, in the Sun this morning... Oh, dear, could still get more mentions. About the son-in-law of uh, Bernie Eccleston. You know, little Bernie. Little Bernie Eccleston. Little teeny-tiny Bernie Eccleston. Little teeny-tiny, filthy-rich Bernie Eccleston with the two not-so-teeny-tiny daughters. It, it must be like sort of looking at a Disney cartoon when they all go out together. Little teeny-tiny Bernie Eccleston and the two girls as well. But James Stunt, who pulled up in his Lamborghini and got pooed on by a bird... Fantastic, isn't it? Apparently, the billionaire art collector then ordered the bodyguards to move the £350,000 motor and clean it. That's what, I was sitting in a restaurant in Vienna once. It's, it's similar to this, and I was wearing a new jacket, and suede was very in at the time. It shows how long ago it was. And literally, pfft, all the way down the front of it. And a friend I was sitting with, oh, no. He said, shall I get some paper? I said, don't be silly, the bird will be miles away by now. Anyway, uh, Ryan Giggs, still the most successful, isn't he? Footballer, and he's got this little uh, little award now, which is lovely. You have to laugh, don't you, Ryan Giggs? Ryan Giggs. Everybody's going off on cruise. I think everybody must be on holiday at the moment. I've decided 
that everybody must be on holiday because every time I go out there, all the people where I live, there's, there's no cars. And I'm thinking, where have they all gone? Where have all these people disappeared? And then I suddenly thought, wait a minute, we're into July. July is holiday season. July is the time when people go away to go and go and have a nice little break somewhere. Perhaps they're going to go and watch the Tour de France. I don't know. Some of these beautiful villages that they go through. Fantastic, isn't it, really? I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Um, also here, it's Princess Eugenie, out at Wimbledon again, still not working. Can we not find something for them to do? Do you think the Queen should, uh, should intervene and go, you know, I mean, I hope we're not paying for them. I would hate it if I thought we were ever paying for them. Uh, revealed the Britain who was uh, jihadi in Syria and came home to bomb UK streets. This is uh, a British jihadi who went to Syria and then came back. He's a Muslim fanatic. They're a bit odd, aren't they, some of these Muslim fanatics? I mean, they're not quite all there in the brain department. One of them, uh, Rayad Khan, who seemed to be perfectly normal at school, but as I say, quite clearly, obviously not, and then said he wouldn't come back to Britain till the black Muslim flag was flying over Buckingham Palace. I thought, you really are off your trolley, aren't you? Completely barking mad. Barking mad. Nicholas Witchell said, Prince Charles is right, I am awful. Do you remember Prince Charles sat there? He didn't realise that the mics could hear him. He went, I, I can't abide that man. I can't abide it. It didn't like him at all. And it was over something. And uh, he says he's... Uh, the Prince of Wales has never apologised for calling him an awful man. He says there's never been an apology. And why should there be? He was probably quite right. You know, awful man. I mean, it's like Prince Charles, isn't it? An awful man. You know, I can't believe you. Dreadful man. He didn't like him at all. But there again, I don't think any of the royals like any of the reporters. I think they tolerate them because they know they're doing a job. And, uh, and we, we sort of lap up the stuff that they give us. So when that was shown on television, really, somebody should have said to Charles, don't ever whisper again. These microphones can pick up a pin dropping. So please, please don't say anything. Please don't say anything. Charles renting out Granny's Castle. Two grand a day, I believe, is the asking price. Mind you, I mean, there must be something about it, mustn't there? I mean, would I want to go and stay in Granny's Castle? Not really. Do I understand the royal family have to make some money? Yes, I do. So uh, I don't have a little problem. (coughs) Believe it or not, 875 yards from where Madeleine McCann disappeared is an abandoned well. Have the police looked in it? No. No. They've only just gotten around to looking in it. A yard-led inquiry wouldn't have been... Yeah, but you are talking Portuguese police. They aren't the brightest pennies in the box. And so it's a, it's a campsite used by gypsies and 875 yards away from Madeleine McCann disappeared. There is this campsite with this abandoned well and nobody bothered to search it. It's unbelievable, is it? You, you can't believe it. All these years later, they, can't, they still can't get it right. They still don't know. So you look at the McCann's apartment, you look at the abandoned well, you look at the two search areas which are round it, but not actually by the well itself. Would that not have been the first place you'd be looking for? Would that not be the first place? I mean, I don't know. We're, we're no nearer finding anything, are we, in the case of Madeleine McCann? We are no nearer. Just when you think we're going to get somewhere, it all goes quiet again. In London, and it's probably the same way you are in the, uh, in the country, we're in the middle of a property boom. And they've got a number of couples in the paper today. They say, don't live in London? Then look away now as these homeowners reveal their housing boom fortunes. There's uh, a man here. He bought in 1999 a flat for £270,000. He's just sold it for £1.5 A friend of mine bought a flat in Victoria, and it wasn't the biggest flat, a little two-bedroom flat. He paid, I think... 400 and something thousand for it. I think that 420,000. He sold it for just under one and a half million pounds. 
And there's a woman here. She bought a house in uh, Wimbledon. Now, Wimbledon is southwest London. It's a very, it's a very expensive area. She paid £600,000 for it 12 years ago. She's just sold it for £1.57 million, which means she's made £975,000 profit. There's another woman here. Again, a flat. A flat. A first-floor, two-bedroom flat in Notting Hill. £500,000. I know, if you're listening elsewhere out of London, you, you really can't believe the prices that we have to suffer with here. She sold it for £1.5 Made a million-pound profit. All these people have made million-pound profits. I always think there's lots of elderly people now who are living in properties that they paid peanuts for years ago, and they're now worth an awful lot of money. When I bought my place, and I've had four places now, I paid 70000 So I'm kind of quids in. I'm kind of quids in on this thing. And lots of people do. But, you know, people have bought properties over the years. Some people buy to rent. Although I've seen some horrendous cases with the bailiffs the other day. The bailiffs were out there and they went round to repossess a flat from this couple who sounded perfectly normal. When they went in there, it was going to take about £20,000 to get it back to normal. My advice is that if you're somebody who is renting out a house or a flat and you're doing it through an estate agent, my advice would be to go and check it every so often. The reason being, we had a flat. We had my mother's flat, which we rented out in Henley, and we did it through an estate agent, and because we weren't around, we had to trust the estate agent, and we paid a commission for the estate agent checking. Then we decided to sell it. And it didn't sell. On the market for about a year. Couldn't understand it. You know, a service block, beautiful flat, immaculately maintained by my mother. And so I posed as a buyer. I went down there, because luckily the estate agent didn't know me. And I posed as a buyer, and uh, we went in, and as opposed to the two people living there, there were six people living there. There were mattresses in the sitting room, there were mattresses all over the place. And I said, I didn't tell the estate agent who I was. But I did say, oh, it's horrible, isn't it? He said, yes, I've got a nice one in the other block. Because they were making money out of that one. Talk about bent estate agents. Whew, dear me. Terrible. So my advice is, go and check. It's the safest thing to do. Quick time check for you. 14 to 8. I don't belong in... Uh... Just ten minutes' time. Just over ten minutes' time. So it says all the roads used on the Tour de France will be closed all day. Why? Well, you'll sit when you realise. I mean, I don't think. I think down in uh, Epping, there's only bits of the road will be closed. But it's a lot. Of, it's about two hundred cyclists, isn't it, going through? It's. I mean, it's going to be. It's fantastic. I promise you. I. Di- I didn't think I could get caught up in the excitement and the fervour of the whole thing. But believe you me, you can definitely. Uh, no steam on Monday, but steam today. And uh, this is for the fact that we have the. Uh, the, uh, the the railway out again today, isn't it? The Epping Railway, running commuter-style service from Onga to North Weald for the Tour de France. Um, uh, no buses or steam, though. Thank you very much indeed, which I thought would be the case. And another one says, says our house we bought for £5,695 in 96, sorry, 69, now sold for one point two. There you have it. Oh, yes, I mean, if anybody had bought a house in London, if you'd had the, the foresight and you'd had the money to spend, you know, five, six thousand pounds back in 1969, you would be looking, if you picked in the right area, well in excess of a million. Well in excess of a million. Well in excess. I was slightly perturbed by a story in the Daily Mail today about the tens of thousands, and it could be you as well, of NHS patients who are having operations to clear their arteries in the false belief that it will cut their chance of a heart attack. So, in other words, people have stents put in. I've got four stents in my heart. And this is because I had clogged arteries. And so you go into hospital, it's, it's angioplasty. They, they say that doctors aren't telling you that, in fact, it's not a magic, magic bullet to stop heart attacks. 
and uh, a consultant cardiologist said uh, 30,000 people with this condition called stable angina opt to have the procedure in which tiny balloons were inserted into clogged arteries to help clear them. Well, I have this metal ring in them. Because I'm diabetic, mine is somewhat different from other people's because mine have got a coating on them. And so it's a little tiny spring-loaded thing and they go in through your artery, through, through one of your main veins, up your arm... Little tiny, I mean, how, it's miniature surgery. It's miniature surgery, and it does make a difference. You know, whether or not it stops a heart attack, I don't know. It just meant that the blood flowed through my veins a little bit better than it did before. And so they put this thing in, and then it opens up, and so it, it just opens up the artery. And depending on how blocked it is, they actually, you know, can mean that you don't get the pain when you're walking. Sometimes you get, oh, like that. And lots of you maybe have suffered that. Have you been to the doctor? Probably not. Probably not. You should go to the doctor. Every week I seem to be doing a medical story on the programme, advising people to go to the doctor to go and get something checked out. So what they say now is that stent operations do not cut heart attack risk for angina cases. So that's me sorted out between now and Christmas. I'm going to be the sort of person who's going to be, hello, Trej, what's it, what, what, what is it? I can't see it. Is it, is it money? Oh, it's a present. Now, wait a minute, we had this agreement last week. I've gone small this week. <laughs> Mind you, no surprise there. <laughs> I don't think anybody who knows me left. I've got, I've got a packet of refreshers and a chocolate thing. And what she brought in a hamper now. It's getting ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, it's got smoked salmon in it. I love... Do you know, I just feel like having a picnic today. But it's going to rain, so there's not much point. It's not, I'm, I could go and sit there in Regent's Park having a small picnic. Sucking a lemon. Sorry? In the country. I'm a London person. What do I want to go to the country for? That's the reason I work in London. I don't want to go to the country. Nobody goes to the country. You come back, it smells of cows and horses and poo and stuff. like. You don't want to go to the country. It's a horrible place. Oh, she's brought the country to me. Yeah, but which country? That's what I want to know. Which country? You know, if it's Afghanistan, I'm not interested. If it's, you know, something out of town, like sort of clotted cream and stuff like that. Robbie Williams has got a back doctor with him on tour because he's, uh, ever since he jumped off the roof of his recording studio, he's suffered with spasms. Um, so he's suffered, I mean, I know what bad back is. He's playing at the, uh, the LG Arena in Birmingham tonight. And they're having a bit of a bit of a problem because they're going, you know, because your back can go at any time. If you've ever had a bad back, take my word for it. It's a nightmare. It is an absolute nightmare. It's, it, I think it ranks in between toothache uh, and and bad feet. You know, where your feet go and you get sort of uh, blistering and all that kind of stuff and walking. That's really painful as well. But bad back, I have every sympathy with. I was speaking to my hairdresser the other day. Yes, I have a hairdresser. Yes, I know. It. Well, it's not so much a hairdresser. It's a, I take in there a picture of what I used to look like when I was 15. And, and, she, and she, then she laughs for a few minutes. And over the top of my head, she just makes noises with scissors. Does he have a hairdresser? Do you know, a friend of mine, Jonathan Levi, who's a TV producer, he pays something like £86 for his haircut. Eight, I've never heard of £86. For a boy, £86. I should imagine Stig's wife probably just does his, puts a pudding bowl on his head and cuts around it, I should imagine. Can't take that long, can it, really? Or do you just like, are you like Dolly Parton? Do you just take it off and leave it for them and then collect it the next day? Is it like that? I used to have a full head of hair. No big deal. It's a sign of virility, not having much hair nowadays. I keep reminding myself. Unfortunately, I think I'm talking in the wind. Uh, Sunday Express today. Oh, you can get a free ice cream Sunday at Little Chef. Just the kind of thing I need. Just the kind of thing I need. Uh, Revealing the MP's paedophile links that could kill him. Uh, This is the Lord Britain story, uh, which is not going to go away at all. There is now call for a public inquiry as to where this dossier went.
It's handed over by Geoffrey Dickens, who compiled it. What it contained, we have no idea. Um, he hands it over, obviously thinking that Lord Britain was the best person to give it to. And then... And then it vanishes. It goes somewhere, either to the police or it goes somewhere like... We don't know. We have no idea. Nobody seemed to make copies of it, which you would have thought they would have done, as it was potentially explosive. And I wonder really whether or not languishing in some box somewhere, there is going to be this document and they're going to be saying, this is this... And they're going to open it up and go, oh my God, it is this, this document. But I have a horrible feeling that maybe it will not be... Because somebody somewhere knows where it is. Lord Britain can't remember anything at all. So I think we might be sort of asking probably the wrong person. But I'd, I like to sort of think to myself that hopefully he might find it. But uh, apart from that, as I say, we're now dealing with Andy Coulson in prison and, uh, and Rolf Harris. Five years. And depending on who you listen to, some people, there was a blogger the other day saying, look at all the anomalies and this and that. Some people saying he shouldn't have gone to prison, he's too old. Other people saying it was too short. And now Vanessa Phelps has come out, together with one of the Nolans, to say that she was assaulted on live television. Good morning, Kay Burley. Good morning. Do you want to see your present? Yeah. Okay. Let, Is it uh, really impressive? Yeah. Well, I bought the I bought the basket because I thought it's a nice little sort of picnic basket for one. Yes. Thanks. Uh, and then I thought, nice. well, it, it's empty, so I put some things in it. Oh and, wow! And because you complained last week, didn't you? Yeah. That's, <laughs> I love a little basket. I really do. Go on, then have a look. Have it. Oh look! Oh, that's oh lovely. Oh, I love meringues. I love meringues yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, they're all from the country. Oh, my God, you've gone mental this week. Uh, okay, okay, I've got your chocolate lolly. Oh. It's got hearts on it. Sorry about that. It's a bit dull and a packet of refreshers, all right? <laughs> don't try and get too excited. And I, could, I can give you sherbet dib-dab if you want. No, no, don't no. spoil me. No, but seriously. <laughs> or I could do... I'll, I'll tell you what I'll leave. I'll leave you some peaches. Oh. Great. No, look at the biscuits. The biscuits are really good. Super waffles. You're going to love... Oh, no, these no, ones. No, 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 the super waffles. <gasps> oh, and I the... love super waffles. Yeah. Do you You'll put eat... anything on them? No. Just no. eat them? Yeah. Wow. And they've got um, stuff inside them. That's that's a great explanation, isn't it? And description. Sounds a bit worrying, doesn't it, really? <laughs> stuff inside them, ladies and gentlemen. Really, oh, really excellent. Nice. Honestly, you'll love them. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, you're welcome. I'll leave you the Was peaches anyway. Was that a sincere? A pound. Okay. Okay, just leave me the money. Okay. So um, <laughs> I'm back with you tomorrow morning from four. Larry Lamb's at 11, and uh, Kay and Stig will be here, and she's going to tell you in about 30 seconds what she's going to be talking about. If you missed any of the show, you can listen again. Just uh, download the app. Go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, and if you download the app, then it will automatically download the free podcast during the week, and if you subscribe to the podcast, you can download all of the shows on LBC. And they don't vanish. You, you get to keep them forever and a day. Isn't that okay. nice? So even in years to come. Years to come, they'll still be there. You being rude about Susanna Reid. You and Susanna Reid, will you stop it, please? Will you stop it, please? Oh, here we go, honestly. Slap slap on the wrist. (laughs) Matron's in trouble now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Steve. (laughs)